But God was trying to tell him that you are, you are a covenant child. You are a child of promise. And I want you to fit in my plan because your survival is determined by how well you fit. How well you fit in my plan. If you survive, if you live within my plan for your life, if you choose to abide by my counsel, if you choose to abide in my will, then though there is famine and there is nothing to survive on, then I will cushion your life and your animals and everything that has your name on it. I will become what the weather has denied you or your circumstances have denied you. I'll provide to you that which the circumstances that you are living on have denied you. I will survive. I will provide it. I will be that which you can't see with your eyes. I will be that which you can't hear with your ears. And I, I, I will be that which you cannot feel right now. I will become your survival. And that's why I want to talk to you about surviving your famine. I want you to understand. It comes and tells him, if you go to Egypt like your father did, if you run away from this situation like your father did, if you take your animals to Egypt like your father did, you will, you will actually survive. You may even enjoy it, but you'll be enjoying outside my plan. You'll be enjoying everything outside my will. And I'm not obligated as God to come and fund you or, or fulfill my promises when you are existing outside my will. I only come as God to bless you and to prosper you when I find you within the confinements of my will. In other words, God is saying, I am not obligated. I am your God, yes. I am your Savior. I am your Redeemer. I saved you, yes. You became my child. I am your God. I am your Father. You are my son. You are my daughter. But when you choose to ignore my counsel, when you choose to ignore my will, then you may survive. You may even do good. You may even look like you are doing good. But it will not last long because your continuous survival, your posterity, your future is pinned into being in the place where I have ordained for you and for my will. And brethren, before even I continue to talk about what God told Isaac he would do, I want you to know today, in the places where we work, in our places of employment, in our stations of business, sometimes there come storms, there come storms of misunderstanding, false accusations, there comes jealousies and envies where our enemies want to root us out, and somebody wants your position in your place of work. Somebody wants you to out. Somebody wants you out so that they can come in and occupy your position. Somebody wants goes and talks and, and betrays you before the authorities or the boss or the board or the director or the CEO so that you can lose your job or you are fired and they come and get in and they celebrate that they are now the new director of this. Things happen in our places of work. Companies go under. Businesses go under. Churches go through turbulence. Ministries go through divisions and sometimes, you know, misunderstandings and waves of hatred and things go wrong. Marriages go wrong. I guarantee you, marriages go wrong. Relationships go wrong. Things that were started well go wrong. And they go wrong 
you know, things that start well sometimes go wrong because there's turbulence in every area. Or famine comes. And I've realized that people respond to crisis almost the same, irrespective of their culture, their creed, their race or creed, or irrespective of their faith or their denomination or affiliations. People become restless when things don't go the way they want. People just kind of run around. They, they, they become apprehensive when things don't work the way they want. And you know what? Like Isaac, they make decisions quickly without thinking. Sometimes you hear people say, I, I didn't think about it. I, I, I wish I thought about it first. I wish I, I stayed. I wish I, and, you know, I gave it one more month. I wish I stayed for two more months or one more year. I wish I, I, wish I never wrote my resignation letter. I wish I never threatened my boss. I wish I never threatened my wife. I wish I never walked out of this. I wish I never did this. Why? It's because I have realized that during the moments of famine, which is, can be a crisis, loss of a job, or, or, or even... Um, misunderstandings or even sicknesses or diseases or even calamities, people quickly ignore that they have a God in whose hands is their destiny and they make decisions quickly and they end up regretting. Let's just quickly here continue with the story. Let's go on with it. Let's stay with Isaac. God tells Isaac, I know you can go to Egypt. You can take your wife, your children, your animals, your servants and yourself to Egypt like your father did. But Egypt, that is not where your blessing is. That's where your, the blessing of your father was, Abraham. That's why the blessing of your father was. You even enjoyed and benefited from the decision that your father made because it was within my will. But right now, if you pack and leave and go to Egypt, you will be walking outside the confines of my will. And I will, I'm not obligated to bless you in Egypt. But if you stay here in Gerar, let's go to verse 3. He says, I'm going to do several things to you, not in Egypt, but in Gerar. Not in Egypt. And this is where people go wrong. They look at something and they think, oh, yeah, that looks better. That looks good. If I walk there, I'll be having more money. Yeah, but you may be having more money, but I have no peace. Or if I leave this guy and marry this one, I am going to have, oh, yo, I'm going to have a car. Yeah, you may have the car, but you may have no peace. Or if I'm going to leave this job, if I'm going to leave this church and jump into that one there because I was not greeted nicely or somebody sat on my seat last Sunday. Or that other church, man, the equipment are good, their music is good. You go there and you have no peace or you, have no, you are not in the will of God. People need to understand your blessing is tied up to the place where God has ordained for you. He tells him, Isaac, stay in Gerar. And verse 3 says, and when you stay in Gerar, dwell in this land. And number one, I'll be with you. Who doesn't want God to be with you? Who doesn't want to know that in this situation, God is with me? In this place I'm working, God is with me. In this church where I am, God is with me. In this company where I am, God is with me. In this school or college or institute, institute, institution of higher learning, God is with me. Who doesn't want to be where God is? He says, I'm going to be with you. But if you go to Egypt, <laughs> if you go to Egypt, you will survive on my permissive will but not my will. I want you to know this. I'm not in a hurry because this, is, this message is very important. And the body of Christ, the world over, needs to hear this. He says, if you choose to go to Egypt, because God gives us cho choice, the power of choice. He gives us the capacity to choose. He tells us to choose, and we can choose. 
And he watches you just make a choice and fulfill it and live for it for years, but you are out of his perfect will. You are simply walking around his permissive will. He says, if you go to Egypt, well and good, your donkeys, your sheep, your camels are going to have food. Even you and your wife and your servants are going to survive. But my blessing, if you want me to be with you, stay here in Gerar. Now, that's a very powerful statement. God tells him, if you want me to be with you, if you want my presence to be with you, stay here in Gerar. Jesus, how many of us today can say, I am here because God wants me to be here? How many of us can say, I am in this church, I am in this church and I'm serving God in this church because God wants me to serve in this church. How many of us can say, I am doing this type of business because God told me he will bless it, he will bless this kind of business and not the kind, that kind of business. How many of us can say, I am working in this nation or I'm working in this company because God led me to this company. How many of us can say over truth that I am... I am married to this man because God ordered me to, even if it's like Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah, prophet Isaiah and Goma, you know, it can be a bad situation. How many of us can say I'm in this marriage today because God wants me to be in it? Otherwise, if I was given a chance, I would not be in it. How many of us can come to that point? He tells him the blessing of the Lord, and I repeat again. And I will repeat it all through this series of messages on surviving your famine until it gets into your system. Your survival, your blessing, your peace, your joy is tied up to being in the right place where God wants you to be. He tells him, I'll be with you there. <laughs> I will be with you there. He says, I will be with you there. And he continues to say, I will not only be with you, but I will bless you. Aha. I will not only just be with you, but I will bless you. He says, I will bless you. I am your God and I'm going to bless you. I intend to bless you in this land. I will bless you in this land. Hey, I thought God being with you was enough. God takes it to another level. He says, I will not only be with you in this land of famine, where there is famine. I will not only be with you, but I will also take you. I'll do something else. I will bless you. My goodness, when you have the blessing of the Lord and the presence of God, when you have his presence and his blessing, what else can you ask for? Let me just share with you my practical testimony. I have, I have lived in America. I have preached in the United Kingdom. I've lived in, I've preached, I've preached in several countries in Europe, in North America, South America, African nations. I've been to Asia and the Middle East. I've done all these things. But let me tell you this. I have seen countries that are very developed. I have been offered churches, big-time churches, to pastor with a car that makes sense with my insurance paid, with my medical or health care taken care of, and with more than the last church that offered me a job recently in the United States was promising me to pay me $90,000 per year. That's a lot of money on top of my 
healthcare or insurance, my health insurance and my family's health insurance, on top of car loans, you know, cars paid and serviced and food by the church, on top of a house that is bought for me. Oh, my goodness. These offers have been many. They've been forthcoming. But before I take, I jump into the offer and enjoy these good privileges in a first world country, I realize I am not my own anymore. I realize that I belong to Christ. I realize that I'm a child of God and I'm a servant of God. And listen, listen to me. Every time I've gone to God, not to the organization that wants to hire me, not to these people who want to, not to these families that are telling me they're going to support me and they're going to do this to my children, they're going to do this to my wife, they're going to do this. Every time I have gone to God up to this day that I'm speaking this message, the Lord has told me that's not me. Oh my goodness, how can it not be God? Come on, talk to me as you sit on your sofa. Tell me as you sit on your sofa or tell me as you drive or tell me as you sit as you watch this program. Tell me, how can it not be God? When you are paid $90,000 a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good money for middle class guy like me. Your insurance is taken care of. Your health care or medical insurance is taken care of by the same organization. Your children are catered for, your wife and cars for your family and are home to your name. How can it not be God? Say, dear Mimi, or help me out. How can this not be God? That will be one of the moving testimonies on your Sunday service next Sunday. If you had such a testimony, oh, God has really done it. But I've gone to God who haunts me and who has called me and who myself. And he has always told me, this is not me. What does that tell me? There are so many people watching me on television today or through YouTube or any other internet portfolio who have testified of breakthroughs that were not real, God sent breakthroughs. There are people that have seen opportunities that are very big and they think they are God's opportunities. And it's another voice. It's something. It could even be a voice taking you out of your will. But I don't want to confuse you. I don't want you to think like I'm telling you that where you are, it's wrong. But I'm just trying to say, God has told me this is not my God.